0: Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Whisper it, but the Scousers were right. Those Champions League nights under the lights are pretty magical after all. City blast Bayern back to Bavaria with their tails between their legs. But was that the best ever performance in the Champions League for the Blues? It's Wednesday, the 12th of April. I'm Amos Murphy.
1: I'm Ollie Kirsch, and I'm so, so happy. So happy. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm Andrew Depper. And this is the
0: City Report podcast. Aguero's going in Oh, the goal to
2: keep this extraordinary run going. Sergio Aguero.
0: Unbelievable. Manchester United 1, Manchester City six. It's two for Zheko. Tottenham
2: Hotspur three. Manchester City four. possible
0: possible lads I've, I've brought i've brought a picnic for today's episode i've got a cheese sandwich i've got a little stubby beer i've got some chocolate to dive into in the second half
2: i'm excited basically i'm saying we're here for it but i all i brought was uh, orange soda so oh, I've gosh. got the
1: orange juice and you might be excited now, Amos, but cheese and beer in the belly I wouldn't be excited in about three, four hours time, mate, in the middle of the night.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um right, okay then. Straight into it. No other place to start, obviously. Manchester City 3 by Munich nil. Um oh, oh, so so much to unpack. So much to unpack. Let us let, go in. So let us start with uh, team selection, Andrew, because the the bombazo drops. It wasn't it wasn't even a bombazo to be honest. It was more of a uh, just a quite a regular rudimentary team announcement as we expected. Bernardo Silva, Informarres. The only change that personally I wanted to see. No overthinking. No crazy formation. Just best players, best positions. Let's go. And it felt. It sort of set the tone for the rest of the night. Obviously, we'll come to the goals, we'll come to the performance. But a very regular, rudimentary evening, which is obviously set it up very nicely.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I do think that there you could quibble with the formation not being uh, some changes. And I think we definitely saw Pep tweet some things around and did the type of tinkering that had we lost, I think people would call out. But because it not only worked well, but we won 3-0... And, you know, obviously you can't take things for granted. Crazy things have happened, but that is one heck of an advantage to be heading over to Bavaria with in a couple of weeks' time. So, yeah, I feel great. Pep did a great job. The guys did a great job. It felt like they came out, they knew they were the better side, and they said, we're not worried. We're going to put you to the sword and move on.
0: And, and that's, that's my overarching point from this game, I think. The fact that... In the stadium, full time, it, it felt weird. Not in the not in the negative sense, not in the sort of something bad had happened sense, but it felt weird that Ollie and you were at the game as well. It felt like that was almost normal, almost par, almost expected. Like, don't get me wrong, the celebrations are incredible. My voice is obviously feeling—you can probably tell it—it's it, going a little bit. And 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 it was Champions League nights are never as ecstatic in the terraces as they are for Premier League FA Cup matches, etc. But it, you know, it was a good atmosphere. But it felt like, yeah, City City deserved that. In fact, it felt like City could have taken five, six, seven goals. Event you know the chances they, they were creating, it just felt quite normal. It felt like, yes, yeah, City are the better team. They've gone and beat by Munich, who were who were inferior to City. But not only have City performed the better team, they have also got the scoreline to reflect it, which is not always been the case in these big Champions League games.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, how many times have we said in the past that this competition doesn't reward great teams? Because there has, you know, last season we were we were a better side than Real Madrid, whichever way you put it. And in the past, we were a better side than Spurs. We've been a better side than Liverpool. But ultimately, for us, we're coming from a space where being the better side hasn't rewarded us in the past, and we've suffered. Whether it's through not being clinical enough, whether it's through moments of madness, and today it just feels like, or well, the. the, during the game last night, yesterday, for those of you listening, that it's the first time where a real big Champions League fixture for us, I mean, hell, there could be some jeopardy to come uh, in return for this in the second leg away at the Allianz, but certainly as far as that game is concerned, it just finally feels like we've gone into a game as the favourites and we've come out with a fair reflection of the difference in quality between the two sides.
0: Mm, yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And and that's almost strange. I don't know how to feel. It's like, it's almost like sending your kids off to school for the first time. Not that I have children, not that I know what it feels like, but almost like letting go of the, of the past. This team's grown up a little bit is how I feel. You know, last season, City in that Real Madrid game, genuinely one of the best games I've ever been to. One of the best games I've ever watched. I'm not quite sure I'd ever do a rewatch of the full 90 minutes, but in terms of the intensity, the quality on display utter utter carnage but utter brilliance at the same time whereas for City against Bayern Munich in this first leg it was it was so controlled and Andrew how much do you attribute that to this newfound system that Guardiola has sort of evolved the City team into first of all how, how much has he stumbled across this how much has this been in the works because obviously there's been the fullbacks inverted for the majority of the season Kyle Walker Cancello started the campaign I don't think anybody would have expected come, what are we, mid-April for Nathan Ake and Akanji to be the the two furthest wide defenders in whatever sort of backline line you've got. But, you know, here we are and, and what a job they did. A, a supreme defensive performance. John Stone's obviously assuming that position into midfield and it, it felt a lot more like he was in that role against Liverpool as opposed to um, Southampton at the weekend where I thought he was a little bit sketchy, a little bit uh, sort of off the pace a little bit. Um, But how much do you attribute that performance to the system or is it a case of having players like Ruben Diaz, who is you know a world-class defender, Erling Haaland, who is a world-class finisher? You have them killer players in those killer moments, which is this competition, which which is what you need in this competition
2: to be successful. I I think it's a bit of both. This, the system only works because of the players that we have. Imagine trying to play this same set up system and setup last year, two years ago, three. Maybe you get some level of success with it, but I don't think you see what we have now. And there was a tweet from one of my favorite followers on Twitter, uh, Mike Goodman who's an analyst for CBS Sports, who has the Champions League, obviously. And one of the things he said was, it's really unfair that Pep has a team that's not only more technically gifted than everyone else, but larger than everyone else. Because if you look (laughs) at this this team now, suddenly we no longer are the team of the David Silvas and the Bernardo Silva and the Jesus and the Aguero of these tiny guys. Suddenly you have a Kanji Stones Diash, Holland, Rodri out there that are these big, strong, physically gifted players who are also technically gifted. And so to me, I think what Pep has realized is that we have the ability to put out lineups to where you can actually physically, emotionally, and technically control the game. And I don't know that there's another team in the world that can kind of control all three phases of the game like that the way that City can because the players mentally tonight... The match against Liverpool going behind show that they're mentally strong. Physically, we know they're strong, and technically, I mean, Erling Haaland gets called, you know, not a footballer because he can't pass, quote unquote. But his assist for Bernardo's goal is incredible. I mean, this team is out of this world good, and we're just we're lucky to watch it.
1: Um. So before we move on to talk about players and individual performances, there's just something I want to pick up on the team performance because. Even though it was stellar from back to front, um, one of the most stunning performances I can remember, certainly in the Champions League for City. However, it actually wasn't very peb, just looking at the statistics. We only had 44% possession, which is, I mean, for City at home, is is, is bonkers. We had less passes than Bayern, 427 to their 558 uh, less accurate passes, lower percentage and in quantity. Um, by all the stats in terms of on the ball, we actually didn't control the game. And there was a period in the first, uh, first 10 to 15 minutes of the second half where we were almost playing like the away team. And it looked like we were struggling to get back into our rhythm a little bit. So the momentum of the game was a little bit different to what we used to when we say that performance was unbelievable. But that's going to lead us on nicely to what we're about to talk about with the player performances in that it gave our defensive players a chance to shine for their defensive contribution. Normally with the way City play, the only praise we can really find for our defenders is what they contributed further up the pitch. You think about Stones, you think about Ake, Walker, Chancello back when he was with us. Um... These players only really get the spotlight because of how much they can contribute in transition or going forward. Tonight, because we didn't control the game in the the way that we usually do, these defenders stood out for how defensively incredible they were. They certainly did. They
0: certainly did. Um, none more so, I feel like, than Nathan Ake, who has been, I, I, I think back to earlier in the season, and I... Um, I, I, I sent a tweet. I can't remember what game it was. I think it perhaps was Bournemouth, and City dominated Bournemouth. And I said, you know, City are two, three, and up or whatever it was. But the best performance has been Nathan Ake, and that's sort of been the case throughout the campaign. City have had fantastic performances. Where Erling Haaland scored fifteen goals in a game. Kevin De Bruyne is creating assists from the halfway line or wherever it may be. But Nathan Ake has been the man. And perhaps it's because he's not, you know, he's not doing a glamorous role. He's basically just tracking back and covering the defence whenever there's been any problems. But he doesn't seem to be or at least he hasn't been getting the right props, maybe from the outside media. He's obviously adored within the city fan base. But I feel like tonight Andrew was his was his night. He was on the he was in the spotlight, he was on the stage. You know, we looked at the the Bayern Munich team before kickoff and we're going Coleman. Gnabry, Musiala, Leroy Sané. That is just pure pace.
2: That is filthy, filthy pace. But Nathan
0: Ake, no problem.
2: I mean, in in the words of Ruben Diaz, we've got guys like Nathan Ake, Manuel Akanji, John Stones. Yes, exactly. I will take, like I've been banging on about for weeks, give me this squad, this manager, this mentality over any other team in the world in the situation we're about to find ourselves in for the next several weeks. And Nathan Ake and John Stones, I think, epitomize that to a bit. And it's something that I think we've been building towards as as a club is that if you look at the type of players that Pep has been bringing in over the last couple of windows, it's not unlike those mid-2000s Chelsea teams where you looked around and you could point out seven or eight players that you would say are captain material. And you look at the city squad and you have guys like Nathan Ake, John Stones, Ruben Diaz, Manuel Kanji, all smart, talented, intellectual players who are going to show up in big moments. You've got Rodri and Gundawan and Kevin De Bruyne. You have Bernardo Holland and like those guys mentality wise to me, I think that makes a huge difference. And it's why we've seen like, we, we just feel like we've grown up. Like we are a different yeah. club in this competition now,
0: and and I, I feel like that comes from you've got to get you know you've you've got to get burned to know not to pick up the the pan with your bare hands. Basically, you've got to suffer heartbreak to know what it takes. You know, nobody, maybe, maybe Napoli this season, for example, might do it and fair play if they do, but nobody waltzes into the Champions League. First time of asking, gets that, that big ear trophy. You know, it, you've got, you've got to beat Bayern Munich. You've got to hopefully for City in the semi-final, maybe if, if Chelsea have got a man best up the sleeve, but you've probably got to beat Real Madrid. You've got to beat, you know, Inter Milan look like they could go into the, into the semi-final. They may progress into final. You've got to beat these, Established names in European football to win the trophy. And I suppose there was so much negativity when the draw was made, but City got up for this game. City certainly got up for this game. And and, and is this a turning point then, Ollie, in the Champions League for City? Was that was that the night for City? Because I said it didn't feel like it didn't feel like the Real Madrid game from last season where it was it like the Etihad looks as if it was just playing host to a football match. Whereas against Bayern Munich. It felt like that was City's home. That that was the Etihad Stadium. That was Bayern Munich coming. You know, they've won the Bundesliga 10 times in a row, and you might look at that and, and shake it off as a non achievement because of the standard of the league. That we're seeing this year, City are looking for the third title in a row, and it, it takes a lot to get up for that. They're a fantastic team. They're one of the best teams in Europe, and they came and they looked as if it was an FA Cup fourth round against the Championship side.
1: Just going to calm you down right there. <laughs> all i'm gonna say is <laughs> as stellar as that was tonight it just means i can't wait to see how we manage to fuck it up this year well yeah, <laughs> yeah. We've, done, we've done everything possible we've gone out in the quarter fight we've gone out in the round of 16 unexpectedly we've gone out in the final to a domestic side we've gone out in the semi-final to real madrid in the most uh, insane jeopardy possible let's see what we can cook up this time to screw it up I, I don't know listen like I said, that that to me felt like a vintage Champions League performance in that we didn't dominate all aspects of play, but we defended like dogs and we were ruthless going forward. Um, mm. We took the chances when they came. Could have been more. I think by the end of it, Bayern can thank Jan Sommer for, for it not being four or five. So it, it felt like a mature Champions League performance. I'm not going to say a, a Pep Guardiola performance or even a Premier League performance. It did feel like something has switched almost in how we approach these big games and get the job done in a convincing fashion still but
0: is Is it it is it switched is Is, has it has it switched or has Guardiola let go has he has he sort of gone you know what if I want to win this competition with this club I can't have the style of football that in my head I would love to have because let's face it you said it before this is not a pep setup this is not the fluid this is not the free-flowing football that we've come to know in previous years has he gone you know what I do need to be a little bit more resilient I need to give the best players the ball and let them do whatever the fuck they want because they're going to score goals
1: because that's what it feels like to me uh, I'm not sure I'm not sure I think we've got to give some credit to Bayern here because the pace that they had across the the the, the front three or four plus Joshua Kimmich wonderful player Leon Goretzka wonderful player you know especially Kimmich as well he was he was made mm. by Pep he was a yeah good right back, and he was turned into into that all-conquering defensive midfielder that he is today. And the the way that they managed to cover the hard yards and put pressure on our back line did force us to lose the ball a lot more than we would have liked to. So I'm not sure if it is quite Pep letting go. However, the one thing that did really please me tonight was Pep's substitution. I mean, I, I texted you boys as soon as it happened. I said, good sub. De Bruyne are off, Alvarez on. And i had been saying it probably since around just before half-time to, to my old man I was with, uh, I was with my dad at the game, we need to bring Alvarez on because the one place that they did look really vulnerable was playing around at the back. And there is no better man than to terrorise that back line than Julian Alvarez. So I said, we've got to get him on, whether it's for Haaland or someone else. And we did. And that, that was the one place I was really pleased by Pep in that, he did almost let go of Plan A, i.e., the first eleven, and he recognised the need for Alvarez in there, and he was willing to kind of pull away from that dogmatic approach and say, "Okay, there's something we can exploit here." To get Julian on the pitch, and obviously De Bruyne, there was a couple of a couple of knocks during the game. We're a little bit worried about him. Great substitution. Get Alvarez on. Don't stick him out wide. Let him bully that back line. And it paid off. It was Grealish in the end that did make uh, Upamecano make an oopsie. But Alvarez definitely contributed to that. So, yeah, I think in some aspects, Pet did let go in that he was willing to move away from plan A. But I, I still think plan A was to have control of the game, which ultimately we didn't do.
2: And, Amos, to tie it back to something you said about the atmosphere. I mean, what was it? A minute two minutes in that Holland about just takes mm. the ball off summer's foot on the goal line to put it in the net. You could tell that they were rattled by the occasion mm. and the atmosphere. And, and that's not something that I think we've seen before with a team of Bayern's kind of heritage and history and caliber where they come in and they are nervous about letting this get out of control for yeah. them. And that just to me, I think sums up what this, match really does show is that it feels like it's a turning point and it feels like it, it is a significant moment. I mentioned it in the introduction,
0: but it it felt a little bit like those games at Anfield. That City have experienced more than others. You know, you you just about sit down in front of the television. There's a minute on the clock, and suddenly City are already, or oh sorry, in that case, Liverpool are already bombarding the goal. In this case, City are already bombarding the goal. You know, a real sort of ferocious atmosphere. Not necessarily in terms, of, like I said, it, it felt it was a bit, it was very weird. The atmosphere It felt the you felt the occasion. The the fans were on top voice for most of it. You also felt there was an undercurrent of nerves, but like I said, it felt it felt inevitable. It felt rudimentary. It didn't feel like you know, dear me, this is the season on the line. It's like you know, there's there's bigger battles to come, and and, and hopefully for City there is. I do think you you know we have to say by Munich. We've said it multiple times already having a weird season. Um they probably will go on and, and win an eleventh Meister Charler in a row, which, you know, fair play hats off. But they're not it isn't the same by Munich of previous years. You know, they, they are one of the best teams left in the competition, but City were expected to beat them. This is probably above a pass score. You know, would have said probably two nil would have been the expected result for City. They've obviously snuck another goal in there, but who knows? Second leg to come, like Ollie says. Who knows what could go wrong? Um, that'll do for part one. Join us in a moment as we continue to revel in some of Manchester City's wonderful footballers, starting with Bernardo Silva.
1: Hey, guys. Adam here. About to head into the gym and try and uh, work off some of the energy after that scintillating performance at the at Etihad. The just wanted to uh, send in this voice
2: note with my hot take of, of the evening Maybe I am just kind of reeling off of that result. But uh, my take of the night is that I
1: believe this current iteration of City is the best to ever exist under Pep Guardiola. Um, I know there have been stronger seasons, and City could easily end this season without silverware. But had City played this way from the start of the season, they would have gone invincible. Enjoy the rest of your night.
0: That was some words from Cohoncho, Adam Booker. He snuck himself in there, as you can see. Uh, typically deny- delighted, as usual. Um, Ollie, Bernie Silver, Cancello came on. Uh, with what ten minutes or so to go, his his greatest contribution of the game was getting Bernardo Silva's shirt at full time, and I think it says a lot. He's uh, there was a few different outlets giving man of the match to different players. Footmob and who scored have gone with Bernardo Silva for their ratings. They usually do it on sort of statistical models as opposed to just sort of who they think was the best player I, I might disagree with it slightly but he was he was fantastic I mentioned before the game I wanted him to play instead of mares which was obviously a gamble by Pep Guardiola but you could tell on that on that what would be right hand side for him left hand side for Bayern Munich Alfonso Davies going up and down he he I don't know, pocketed him, you could say. He, he did a really good job and, and he's a man, I think, who is was made for these big games. we said it a number of times and um, possibly man of the match for me. I think a, a certain John Stones from Barnsley might have something to say and a Ruben Diaz from Portugal might have something to say. But, um, you know, another stellar performance from Bernardo Silva.
1: Yeah, Bernardo's incredible. You know what, full credit to him as well for the mentality that he's got. He's... It's well, widely known that he's wanted out of the club for a couple of years. But when he does come in, especially on the big occasions, he absolutely busts his balls for this team. And it, it's just amazing to see. And what, what makes me laugh as well is that when we've got the kind of weather that we had tonight where it's 30, 40 miles an hour or whatever it was, it was horrendous disgusting. weather, it's absolutely throwing it down. And you've got Bernardo just kind of stood there, you know, the smallest, skinniest guy on the pitch. The rain has just completely soaked him head. So he looks like a sad dog. When he stood he's a there, Yorkshire you know, one, Terrier. That's yeah, why he yeah, yeah, he's a one little hand.
0: scruffy Yorkshire Terrier.
1: Yeah, you know, and the ball's out of place, just kind of standing there with a the hand on his hip, like a, a sad, wet puppy or, or you know, a kid in the playground. And then the ball comes back in and, and he just switches. I mean, the first 10 minutes, I was a little bit concerned about Bernardo and Ake down that side because I think, I think, I actually think it was in the first five minutes, there was a break from Alfonso Davis and he got ahead of Bernardo, he got ahead of Kanji. Uh, Stones was still in the middle of the park, and I'm thinking, That this is going to be a problem tonight and they very quickly organised themselves and both defensively and going forward Bernardo was absolutely superb I've I've never you know you'd think yeah you know you can put in 120% for maybe 12 months after his expressing a desire to leave two years I think we're now into the third season after which he originally was looking for an out and it it, it looks like he'd you know he'd, he'd take a bullet for this team so I can't love him enough, and I hope he does find happiness in the future. Because when he brings performances like that tonight, the guy deserves to do what, what, you know to go and finish his career wherever he wants to do so.
0: I, I don't know why he doesn't want to stay in Manchester. It was a fantastically sunny, nice spring <laughs> evening in uh, in East Manchester. Did Navy. it f-
2: did it feel as terrible to be in that stadium as it looked like it would? Because it, w- it was it horrible. Looked, it was. It was. <laughs> I was sat
0: in the pub in in, in Manchester beforehand, and I, the the city support services tweeted the fact that there was no City Square performances because of the adverse weather conditions. They they dubbed it as, and I'm thinking, dear me, there's a light breeze. There's a little. Bit Bit of rain, I stood out, and it was like it was almost cartoon, like being swept down uh, Great Ancoat Street, nearly, nearly flying into the the canal. But um Andrew, if if Bernardo Silva's a little scruffy Yorkshire Terrier, what's John Stones a, a Great Dane? Um I'm trying to think of the dog that you might be. You know, a very proud, a very, a very prestigious, a pedigree. You know, he can do everything. He can do absolutely everything.
2: I I bought his kit his first season with us because I adore everything that man is to me. He epitomizes the pep project. I think more than anyone because much like pep, when he came into the league, people looked at stones and they said, okay, yeah, he's, he's a great passer, but he's a center back. You know, he has to defend and they have all these questions. And unfortunately for him, I think the British media likes to hone in on some mistakes made early in his career with city and early in his career with England but when fit across the last I would say 3 seasons he is a if not the best center back in the world easily a top 5 and you're seeing over the past few weeks when he has played this almost Swiss Army knife role of a combination double pivot inverted right back actual right back and done it better than I think anyone could expect of him and just, I mean, he's even playing as like an eight and a winger at times with how rangy and gifted he is. So basically the entire right side of the pitch at this point is just John stones to control. There were multiple moments where he, you know, got up for a header to cut out a pass. He obviously sets up the Holland goal. The guy just, that, that interview he gave where he talked about how, when there was the interest from Arsenal and, you know, he might've left the club and he's so glad that he didn't because he would have been sad to move on. Like that guy just gets it. Like he, Mm. he gets the club. He, I, I I never want to see him leave. Like to me, like he is one of this current generation where I look at and, you know, obviously we're getting so good that we can't give everybody a statue, (sighs) but, but emotionally and like from a, from a mental standpoint, I have a hard time not looking at John Stones and saying he epitomizes this era, and he epitomizes what has been so phenomenal about being a City fan for the past six years. I, I don't even think John Stones
0: would want a, a statue. I think he'd be happy enough with a, a weekend in Magaluf. That'd probably be enough for him to get a <laughs> smile on his face. Um, but yeah, I, Ollie, he, he's you know we 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 were speaking after the Southampton game earlier in the week, and I said. I still, and you know what? I still have reservations about him in that position. I think you can at times, or at least he does at times, look like a centre-half trying to play midfield, and that will come with time. It takes a lot of patience. It takes a lot of muscle memory to learn how to play defensive midfield in a Pep Guardiola team. It's almost incredible that we're even saying it. You know, he's 28 years old. Maybe he can teach. Maybe not old, but uh, an old-ish dog, new tricks. But... Um, he pops up with an assist as well, and and that leads us on obviously to uh to Mister Erlin Brow, who who goes to forty five goals for the campaign. It the, the games running out uh, slowly but surely they are running out. So uh, at some point he is going to have to stop scoring, and that tally will go back to zero. I'm just scared for for humanity really uh, at what number it finishes on because forty five goals for the campaign. I was still wearing gloves and a scarf at the match today. You know, we're not even close to summer. And this season's going on into summer. Champions League final, June the 10th. It could be um, could be quite a few more. Let's hope, anyway.
1: Yeah, he's on 45. We've got a maximum of 15 more games to play. He's averaging over a goal a game. So you guys do the maths. He could oh. easily... He could... Could clear 60, although FA Cup, I suppose Alvarez will come in against Leicester at the weekend. Alvarez might come in. I don't know for the sake of my fantasy team. I hope he doesn't. Oh but um, he's just overtaken Ruben Nisselroy, who finished 44 all out. Mohamed Salah, who finished 44 all out. Man United fans, <laughs> Liverpool fans, <laughs> come and collect your legends, right? Because this guy is tearing up the legacies. And I mean, do you know what the funny thing is? The only man that's going to be able to break the records that Erling Haaland is going to set this season is Erling Haaland. Mm, he's twenty-two yeah. years old, and he's doing this in his first season in the Premier League. Remember, this is his first season under the Pep under Pep shit season, right? Yeah. <laughs> this, this, yeah. this is his this is his shit season. This is his Grealish first season. His, his Rodri first season. So. Oh man, I don't know. Um, I, I predict that he'll finish on around fifty-five. I think naturally, as you get deeper into the Champions League, games become less uh, hectic, tend to be lower scoring, tend to be lower scoring. Mm. I'm just saying, um, as teams become a little bit more cagey and a bit more worried. Not always the case, of course, but just going by law of averages here. And also in the FA Cup, I'm not certain that he will be starting. Premier League, I'm not certain he'll be starting all the games. So with the 15 potential remaining fixtures, if we go all the way, he's probably going to get 9 or 10 starts. So 55 to 60 somewhere. I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> ludic- yeah ludic- it, we, We're saying it like it's the most normal thing in the world, but I, I'm going to nail my colours to the mast, and I'm going to say he's going to finish on 58 all out.
2: Well, I you know, hat tip to uh our friends over at Noisy Neighbors who were, you know, talking about like for both Alvarez and Holland, if you did the math on where they were at goal wise per, you know, kind of like what's it cost per goal in their transfer costs? So Alvarez is basically already at a million dollars a goal because he cost fourteen point one million pounds and he scored fourteen goals in all comps for city of season. Holland just behind is at uh, it's to be a slightly lower because he's now at forty five, but it's like one point one million pounds per goal. <laughs> uh, N- Nunez is at sixty four point one million transfer fee and fourteen uh, goals on the season is at uh, a quite uh, expensive four point five eight million pounds per goal. So, you yeah, know, really, Demo,
1: Demo, Demo. no, it it doesn't count because it's the Coutinho money.
2: <laughs> oh, right, that's right, that's right. Wait, no, no, I thought they were going to use the Coutinho money to buy uh, Bellingham. Oh, Oh, yeah. Bombazo. Bombazo bombazo tonight. No, that's funny. That's funny. Um,
1: Any Liverpool fans that happens to be listening, if you haven't refreshed your Twitter feed tonight, Liverpool have, inverted commas, pulled out of the race for Jude Bellingham.
0: Gets better and better, doesn't it? It gets better and better. I'd hate to see Harry Maguire's goal per million pound ratio. I think that you could probably fix the UK economy with that. Um, <laughs> right, uh, right, okay. Before before we go, um, what what obviously we'll have plenty of previews before the Bayern Munich game heading into next week. But you know, immediately straight off the bat, Ollie. what 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 do we think from that second leg? Because I think three 0 probably just about leaves the door open enough for them to maybe sneak a foot in before it slams shut and possibly potentially maybe hopefully not get an early goal and then who knows the complexion of that game I think is going to be decided in that first 15-20 minutes if City can go to the aliens control possession maybe sneak a goal themselves happy days easy easy win I get the feeling it probably won't be like that though.
1: It's it's kind of the reason I'm more annoyed that we didn't get the fourth goal. I'm not annoyed that we didn't mm. get the fourth goal for the sake of getting a fourth goal, but we're now in a position where we've we've got to be really careful. Um, you know, that whole thing like 2 nil is the most dangerous score in football, as Arsenal learned at The weekend yeah. against Liverpool, right? When you're in a two-legged tie, three nil is the most dangerous score in football. And mm. um, if they do get an early goal, and we get a little bit nervous, and something aver- you know absurd happens, you know, Edison mistake or uh, a red card somewhere, and they get another one, oh my god, we're back in we're back in Real Madrid territory from last season. Mm. So we've got to score. That's the key. If we score, I can't see them beating us five one to take it into extra time. So. Yeah, we 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 can't exactly afford to do a full 11 switch-up. We've got to be careful. Um, but I think we can take a reasonable defeat as long as we get a goal. That, that's going to be the key for us. Score, I think we'll be absolutely
2: fine. Yeah, um,
1: yeah, you, you do feel
0: that way. Andrew, do you want
1: to jump in before you wrap?
2: Yeah, I was just going to say, and I think the, the biggest key to think about is that, yes, a 3-0 can be dangerous in a two-legged tie, but the concern would have been if we'd only scored one or two, one goal really changes things. And that allows Tuchel to play this kind of reactive style of football that he inherently wants to a little bit. It's always kind of been his thing, but also that he's somewhat forced to do with Chupa Motang out of his side and probably going to still be by the time the next leg comes around. Now that they have to score three goals just to have any shot, they're going to have to play progressive, open, risky football against us, which just means you put Alvarez and Holland up top with De Bruyne, and you just let our big, beefy boys in the back stop oh some God. counters, Never throw that ball up top. Oh, I will continue to say it. Big, beefy boys <laughs> at beefy the boys. back. <laughs> oh, yeah, big, beefy boys at the back. That's what we got in the defense. But no, seriously, they'll stop, stop it. You get it to Kev. Kev hits it to one of those two. And that back line we saw today is getting torn to shreds.
1: All I'm going to say is my concern was that we're going to find a new way to screw it up that we've not yet seen. Giving up a 3-0 lead after the most (laughs) stellar Champions League performance of recent (laughs) years would certainly be a fresh way to change it up. So go ahead, City. Surprise me.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's like a kinder egg, opening up a different surprise every time. Um, chaps, that's been fun. Plenty of laughs, plenty of, of good stuff as well. Stick around for the rest of the week. We'll be looking back over this game in some more detail tomorrow. Um, and then, obviously, Leicester preview to come later in the week. Ollie, thank you very much. You've got your, your pet mannequin, who I have to say looks a little bit more like, um, I can't remember his name, British comedian, bald. Yeah, it, it, it's look, it's yeah. an It's an interesting, for the benefit of the tape, uh, ollie has got a sort of bobblehead, Pep Guardiola in a suit but um i'll have to send a picture i'll have to post a picture yeah it's making you feel a bit uneasy i have
2: to say yeah it's it's it's, it's one of the eyes the eyes is one (laughs) of the eyes is off it's just it's giving me bad vibes
1: so happy i'm so so happy more than you believe i'm so happy
0: (laughs) cheers Uh, perfect place the perfect place to wrap like follow subscribe if you haven't already stick around for the rest of the week plenty of good stuff to come good vibes all the way Um, we'll see you later
2: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
0: This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. Talk sport. Powered by fans.